Good morning. Once again, let us turn to the Word of God. The title of the message is The Final Salvation of Israel. Uh, this is the title of my message, as I, as I, as I said earlier, or just, just said. Um, and so um, our message comes from Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 32. This is where our message comes from. So please rise for the reading of God's word. And ask that you please read with me as I read aloud Romans from Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godliness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. As for the Gospel, as far as the Gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. But God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience. So that he may have mercy on them all. And that he may be glorified. I added that. The word of God. This is the word of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of God will stand forever. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray once again with heads bowed, eyes closed for the illumination of God's work. Our Lord and God, give us your spirit. Increase our capacity to listen and learn from your word. Increase our understanding of your gospel message for the sake of your church and the good of humanity. Bless our listeners, we ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me begin by quickly, quickly. I say quickly because I've been instructed that my introductions are very long. And I appreciate that. So, um, I'm learning to be humble in this way. So, now anyhow, I just want to start off with the title of my last message, which was Salvation Comes to the Gentiles. What was the topic of my last message? I hope that you remember that the topic of my last message was Salvation from the Gentiles. Through Israel. What was my thesis? I had proposed that in Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 24, Paul reveals God purpose, God's purpose for the Gentiles. 
Because Paul wants the church to know that salvation comes from or comes through the Jews. How did I help you understand this statement? Well, I tried to help you see this by the following three points. In point number one, I showed you that because salvation comes to the Jews, God has been using sinners to bless the Gentiles. Number two, I showed that because salvation comes to the Jews, God has been using Christ to bless the church. Number three, I showed that because salvation comes through the Jews, the church looks forward to the return of Christ. Now that I have covered last week's message, let us cover today's material. What is the title of my message today? Once again, the title of my message is The Final Salvation of Israel. Topic. The topic of my message from this text is The Final Salvation of Israel by God. Excuse me. <coughs> the Final Salvation of Israel by God. What is the thesis of my message from this text? <clears throat> the thesis of my message from this text is Romans chapter 11, from Romans chapter 11, 25 to 32. Paul reveals the redemptive plan for God or of God for Israel. <clears throat> Why? Because Paul wants the church to know that God is covenantally, covenantally saving Israel. Now, how will I show this to you? I will hopefully show this to you by the following three points. In point number one, I hope to show you that because God is covenantally saving Israel, God is rebuking and disciplining Israel for their sin. Point number two, I hope to show you that because God is covenantally saving Israel, God will save all Israelites. God will save all Israelites. And point number three, I hope to show you that because God is covenantally saving Israel, the church is awaiting the return of Christ. Now, background material. The author of this message is who, children? Paul. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Paul. Paul. Remember that. Okay. Office. What is his office, children? Apostle uh, of Jesus Christ. The theme of this letter is Paul tells us that the gospel reveals how God puts us right or puts people right with himself. It is through faith from beginning to end. What's the genre of this letter? Better. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. All right, it is a letter, right? Gotta make this fun somehow, right? Okay. <laughs> but, you know, actually, I'd be, I messed that up too. So, anyways, Romans. As the, Roman, the, uh, the Roman Jewish and non Jewish converts are the recipients of this letter. Now, Paul's description of the future glory of the kingdom of God is, uh, again, this glory is a condition of blessedness. It's a condition with past, present, and future realities. Remember that. And it's about the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is the eternal space of eternal blessedness. 
It's the eternal space of eternal joy. Now, although we don't fully yet see it, it is here. God is where? Everywhere. He's everywhere, right? We don't see him, but he what? He sees us. He always sees us. And according to his word, especially for those, all those who believe in Christ Jesus, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Now, let's start with uh, our message here. Again, um, what I'm trying to do is, and this is going to be kind of tricky. Um, I say it's tricky because you have to follow along with me. And understanding where, where, where all this, this, this come from, why I'm, what I'm thinking, what I'm trying, what I feel that God has placed on my heart to show you. Okay? Now I said, in point number one, God is covenantally saving Israel. Now, God is saving. Let's, let's start with that. Okay? In Romans chapter 11, verses 25, through 32, whom is Paul saving? That's what we need to look at. Amen? Now, I'm convinced, let's go over there to our, our text. Let's always try to stick as close as possible to the text. Everybody turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Are you with me? If you're with me, let me hear you say amen. Amen. All right. And may God's spirit lead us and help us to understand all this. Now, what do I mean that God is saving? First of all, I just want to make it clear that God is in the business of saving. Saving his people. Now, if he's in the business of saving his people, then it must be a reason for why we need to be saved. Right? Naturally, that's what I hope that you're thinking. But now, the thing is that we need to understand that Paul, in this text here, he's talking about God saving, but there's a particular people that God has in mind that he's trying to save. And I'm here to tell you that God is saving Israelites, first of all, in this passage. This is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the descendants, the direct descendants, descendants. Of Israel or Jacob. You guys remember? In the Old Testament, it talks about Jacob. And it talks about the promise that God made to Jacob. And it talks about the promise that he not only made to Jacob, but all those who would come after Jacob. That is his descendants. Amen? Excuse me. For some reason... My cold is starting to work with me, but I've got to work through this. All right, now, God, <coughs> over in um, Romans chapter 11, let's turn there again. Everybody should be there by now. Paul begins his, his message by saying, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part, until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Let's stop there for a moment. And let's look at that. Again, who is he talking about here? It's clearly stated right there. Israel. Israel. He's talking about Israel. And also, he's talking about the Gentiles. 
Now, the Gentiles are just think of them as anyone other than the, the descendants of Israel. It's real simple. Amen? Amen. Now, how is God saving Israelites and Gentiles according to Paul? I believe that God is saving Israelites and Gentiles by way of the covenant of redemption and the covenant by grace. It's a covenant of redemption and a covenant by grace. Now, a covenant, when I, when I speak of covenant, I'm talking about a, an agreement between God and his people. It's an agreement. And now, you have to understand, God... Being that he is not our equal, being that he is the creator, he calls us into that covenant. He calls us into that covenant. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that, listen, you can't, you can't enter into a covenant with an infinite being, like in this case, an infinite God, one who is the creator of heaven and earth. One who, first of all, you can't even see, right? We already made that clear earlier. You can't enter into that covenant without being first called. So, Paul is speaking in, these, in this way because he understands all of this already. This is like background material. This, for, for Paul, he was raised in, in this, with this mindset, with this thought, that God is a God of covenants. God begins and he ends every relationship and every creation that, that, that may be. He is, he's, he's the source. And without him, we would not even exist. Nothing would exist, including the relationship that we have with him. Are you with me? You guys got to catch this right now because up front, this is what we have to have as a as 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 a, as a as as far as um how to understand what Paul is talking about. We have to understand that he there's a there's there's things going on that has already been set and it's not clearly stated there in in, in scripture, but Paul does talk about the covenant here, and he he has talked about it earlier, and I'll talk a little bit more about that as time goes on. Amen. All right now. Let's begin with that right now. Where does Paul talk about the covenant? And more specifically, not, I'm adding redemption and the covenant of grace. Well, let's look at our text. Now, let's read a little bit further. We read verse 25. Now, let's read 26. And so, all Israel... Everybody say Israel. Again, we're talking about who? Israel. Now we're talking about specifically Israel. Let's put the Gentiles aside. Because we're talking about Israel now. Israel. All Israel will be what? Saved. saved. All Israel will be saved. Does it say some of Israel? Does it say a few of Israel? It says all of Israel. So now. This right here, Paul is stating as a future fact. That's why it says, will be saved. Will be saved. So what does that mean? They're not yet all saved, right? But in the end, and God, being that he is 
a being that he is, he can what? He can declare the end where? In the beginning. <laughs> All right? Listen, you got to get this. God is declaring. Oh, did I say that right? God can declare the end in the beginning. Did I say that? I just want to make sure because maybe you guys didn't catch that because I don't want to, I don't want to be talking down to you guys because sometimes I do that. I get ahead of myself. I'll be first one to admit. Now, so he is declaring the end in the beginning. He's saying, God will save. So if God will save, what does that mean? It's going to happen. And nothing is going to get in his way. Nothing will get in God's way from doing what he has planned and he has set in his heart. And and remember, God is not like us, so he doesn't have a heart. He doesn't have a heart like we do. But what I'm saying is God has determined already that he's going to save who? Uh, Israel. Israel. Now, what I want you to focus on, as it is written, the deliverer (coughs) will come from Zion and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. That right there is the focus. That from there you have, you have Paul, uh, again, talking about the covenant. So when I say, when I'm talking about, when I'm talking about here the promises of God, his, his, his determination to, to do all that he has planned, all that he wills, this is not something that I'm making up. If you, if, if, listen, the covenant is the glue which binds us to God. It is, it, is, it is His willingness to call us His own. And for this, in this case, it is Israel. Amen? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, where does Paul speak about the covenant, children? <coughs> Can you answer that again? Where does he speak about the covenant? In in heaven. You guys are not following me this morning. I just said it. Romans chapter 26. It's right there in the text. Oh. <laughs> oh. Romans chapter 11, verse 26. It's important. It's important. Romans chapter 11, verse 26. It says, And this is my covenant. I'm sorry, verse 27. Forgive me. Oh. Verse 27. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I'm not following myself this morning, it sounds like. Now, let's continue. Romans chapter 11, verse 27 is where we're at. Please follow on. And it's because this will help me out as well. Now, God is rebuking and disciplining. What do I mean by that? Well, God is rebuking and disciplining, according to Paul. Paul alludes to this fact that God has been rebuking and disciplining Israel. That is, God has basically been calling them in, and he has been children sort of like with you. When, When you get in trouble, when you get in trouble, you haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing, Mom and dad 
or maybe mom or just dad, it depends. They will call you in and what? Counsel you about what you've been doing. And depending on what you've been doing, they will even administer what? Punishment. Okay? So, but anyways, this is what God is doing as well. He's been calling Israel. He's been calling the people of Israel, the descendants of Israel. He's been calling them. And he's been actually been dealing with them as far as um, pointing to them, first of all, their, their sins, what they've been doing, the things that they've been doing wrong against God. Matter of fact, he gave them his law, his written law, to help them. To help them specifically see the areas that they have been breaking God's laws. Or that they have been sinning against God. Because remember now, sin is lawlessness. It is sin. When I talk about sin, it is basically um, breaking God's laws. Everybody understand that? So, this is what has been happening. And this is what has been taking place in the life of the descendants of Israel. God has used Israel to show his will, his plan, his purpose, not only for Israel, but for all his people. And that means including the Gentiles as well. But he began with Israel. He began with them by giving them the what? The law. Giving them the covenant. Giving them the what? The prophets. The priests. And the kings. Now I hope this is starting to ring bells. I hope this is starting to point you to someone who else would be what? The prophet. The priest. And the king. Who would that be children? Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. So God has basically been painting a picture Using Israel as an example of what he's doing for not only Israel, which is his people, his called people, called into a covenant relationship, but he's also doing for us. Amen? So see, you gotta be, this is, you gotta, I want you to be thinking like this. When you're reading scripture, you should be thinking back and forth, okay, what is God doing? Okay, he's doing this with Israel. Chances are, if he's doing this with Israel, or has been doing this with Israel, he's doing this with me. God will be doing this for Israel, then there's a very likely chance he what? He will do this for me as well. So if God is going to save Israel, he's going to do what for us? He's going to save us as well. Are you with me? Okay. So, he's been rebuking and disciplining them as well. Does God rebuke and discipline us? Yes, he does. Because if he doesn't rebuke and discipline us, then chances are you're not what? A child of God. You're not his child. Any good father, any good parent is going to rebuke or discipline their children. Because we know, or parents, most parents, not all parents, but many parents, know that a child left to himself, a child left to his own ways and his own will, will eventually Run us, go astray. They will eventually get in trouble. And that happens so often. You know, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to know that there are children out there who are, who are in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in a state of rebellious, state of rebellion, rebelliousness. And, but they don't realize it, that they're harming themselves. They're not, 
you know, I was, I have to admit, I was one of the, I was like that at a time in my life. I thought by going out and doing things that was against my parents' will, I was getting back at them. But I realized that, you know what, I was getting back with, at them. I was hurting nobody but myself. Okay, I'm going off track now, I'm sorry. But I want to just bring you in, okay? And see what's happening here. Now, why is God rebuking and disciplining Israel according to Paul in Romans chapter 11, 25-32? Let's turn there once again. I believe that Paul alludes to an important reality that God is rebuking and disciplining Israel. Why? Because they are sinning against God. And God being like a father, the father that he is, he is He's, he's, he's going to discipline them. He's going to rebuke them. And um, we see that throughout this passage. And this is a very important spirituality I hope that you see. Now, let's, let's look at that. Let's go to uh, verse 25. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. What does that mean? They have experienced a full experienced a hardening. Well, um, Paul talks a little bit about that over at Romans chapter eleven, verse seven. Let's turn there. Let's turn back to Romans chapter eleven, verse seven. Everybody, get your Bible. Get your Bible and turn to Romans chapter eleven, verse seven. Everybody, got your Bible? Alright, Romans chapter 11, verse 7, it reads, What then? What Israel saw so earnestly it did not obtain, but the elect did? The others were hardened, as it is written. Everybody say hardened. hardened. This is what I'm trying to bring out here, is the, the issue of being hardened. It says, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Amen. So now it talks a little bit about what a hardening means. It means this. First of all, for Israel, God has basically left them in a state of sin. A, a, a state of sin. Listen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is clear in Scripture. And so, but now what God has done is that with Israel, not all of Israel, because God has made that clear, beginning with Paul, because Paul, he sees, he sees what's happening here. He sees that Jesus is the... Christ, but not the rest of them, the rest of Israel. They don't see that Jesus is the Christ. And why do they not see that Jesus is the Christ, children? According to what we just read. Because God has hardened their hearts, meaning that he has blinded them. Or really, he didn't blind them any, because guess what? They were blinded from when? From the very beginning, they were already blinded. The thing is, is that God did not lift the scales, as it were, from their eyes so that they can see that Jesus is the what? 
the Christ, the very one that they that now, now when I say they, don't get me wrong because I don't I got to be very very sensitive here because there are Israelites right now there are people in Israel who would, would right now would disagree with me, Whew, and I would be in a lot of trouble. Now I'm talking about the the, the leaders back then. The leaders back then. I'm not talking about the present day leaders. And I pray that they don't be offended by what I'm about to say. But the leaders back then, they were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. The leaders back then. Not the present day leaders. Okay? Now, but I got to admit that God makes it clear that we all are responsible. So that's including not only the leaders back then. But all of us, that's including all of us, we're in some way responsible for the, the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus. It was necessary that he die. It was necessary that he be crucified. It was necessary that he be handed over to the, the public authorities and by those who were the leaders at the time. It was necessary. It was all plans, all part of God's plan. But we're all responsible. Amen? So but I'm bringing this out to show you that this is part of God's this is part of God's um, um, rebuke and discipline of Israel. And it seems kind of odd, doesn't it? It's like, okay, God, why would you do that to them? Well, God did that to them. He, 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 he left them in a state of sin where they could not see that Jesus is the Christ. He left them in that state because he wanted to, them to learn something here. To understand something here. That first of all, he is God and that he has chosen this way for his glory. So that when the time comes, and this is what we're talking about and this is where we're heading to now. When the time comes when God will save all Israelites, guess what? Nobody, especially especially the the, the Jews or the Israelites that eventually God will save will what? Be able to take any credit whatsoever. They will not be able to take the credit for anything. They can't say, well, God, you owe me. God, you owe me. You, you owe me for, and so now you have to save me. No, it won't be like that in that day. And that day, it will be God, thank you that you saved me. Thank you, God, that you have brought me out of my sin and that you have opened up and removed the scales from my eyes, as it were, so that I can see and that I can believe that Jesus is the Christ. And God will be glorified because all of this is a what? It is a gift. And that's why I'll call it the what? A covenant of grace. It's a gift. The promise God's promise that he will save Israel, that is, a, that is from God, and that is his good pleasure. That is out of his good pleasure. He doesn't owe them that. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He doesn't owe no one anything. If anything, we owe him. It was God who was offended by who? Us. We offended him. You see how that works? See, a lot of people have it backwards today. We don't, you know, we forget that we're the one who offended him. We're the, we are the ones who are offending him even now by sinning against him, breaking his commandments all the time. And it's the same for Israel. 
So now Paul alludes to the fact that he's that um, he's saving Israelites, and, and not only that, how is he saving them? I believe that God is saving Israelites and Gentiles by way again of the covenant, the covenant of redemption. Now, the covenant of redemption. I want I want to make this clear to you. What do I mean by the covenant of redemption? Well, the covenant of redemption means this. Now, listen, you've got to get this. It is a promise. It is the promise of God to Jesus, the Son, the Son of God. It began there. That's where it began. Are you with me? Now, that's, that's not clearly brought out here, but this is what Paul understands. Paul understands over in Romans chapter um, 11, verse 26... Now, first of all, God will, will save Israel and he will turn godliness away from Jacob, that is Israel. And verse 27 says here, this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. And I'm telling you, the patriarchs that he's talking about there is who? Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. But God's gifts and his call are what? Irrevocable. Meaning that this gift, the, the gift of salvation, that he's that that is it all begins and it all began with who? The Son. The eternal Son. Because that's what over in Ephesians it talks about and it alludes to and, and again Paul talks about this, that we were elect before the foundation of the world. It was it was all pre it was all pre planned way be, before then. God had already determined that he was going to save a people and he would call them his own. And one of these people was again the nation of Israel beginning with the patriarchs, Israel, um, Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham. Amen? But first of all, again, it began with Christ, with the Son. It was the Son whom God had had uh, spoken with and God and together they agreed that the son would eventually take on the form of a man and it was the son that would die for what? The sins of, it, of the people. So that's where it all began. And did, did Jesus complete that? Yes, he did. He completed it. He fulfilled that promise. You see how that works? Now, because he fulfilled that promise, guess who benefits? Israel. Israel. We're just talking about Israel right now. Of course, Gentiles eventually will have, Gentiles have too. But let's just stick with Israel. Israel had benefited from it. So basically, what Paul is saying here, and why I say that God is saving all Israel, is that it began with Jesus, with the Son, and now they are benefiting from what Jesus has done. Listen, the law of God was given to be obeyed. And somebody had to obey that law. And, and clearly Israel could not what? Obey that, that law. When I talk about Israel, I'm talking about the nation. I'm talking about the descendants of Israel. They could not, they could not fully obey that law. We see that, right children, every time we read, when we're reading in the, in the Old Testament, when we're reading, reading from the book of Isaiah and so forth, we're reading these things, Right? We're seeing time and time again, Israel was what? Sinning against God. They would sin. God would call them in on the carpet, basically. And he would tell them, hey, listen, you sin, you messed up, boom, boom, boom. And what would they do? 
Please forgive us, God. But then they'll do what eventually? Go right back to sinning again. Okay. Again, God's showing. Again, though He's not, He He didn't leave them that in that state. And that His purpose again is that He will eventually save all Israelites. And that's what Paul is talking about. This is very important spiritual reality. Amen. Now, <laughs> one more thing. And then we're almost there. Um, understand that this is all a part of what I like to describe as the doctrine of election. Um, this is a very, again, this is a very um, sensitive topic. And a lot of people don't believe this. A lot of people don't believe that God will choose certain individuals to save and 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 not choose other individuals. But clearly Paul is bringing this out. And that's why he says right there again. And I, don't, I just got to repeat it. It says, and so all Israel will be saved. It's that simple. He's talking about Israel. Israel, he elected Israel. When it says Israel, it didn't say anybody else but Israel. Right there, you see it. Okay? And now, when will God save all Israel? That's the next question. The next uh, the answer is that God will save all Israel when? After all the Gentiles have been saved. We see that again right over here. We see that in verse 25. It says, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until when? The full number of Gentiles has come in. So what's happening right now is that not only is individuals of Israel are being saved, but also in addition to that, Gentiles are being saved as well. That means those who who were not uh, of the uh, covenant of grace, because now we're talking about the covenant of grace. The covenant of grace deals with God and his people. And his people, um, uh, God has determined that it's not only going to be the descendants of Jacob, but who else? Those who were not the descendants of Jacob. And that would most likely mean us. That is the church, the, um, the present day church body of members and, and, and so forth. Listen, even right here in our, in our own church, our own church body, our own membership, our own body, there, there are many who don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in Jesus Christ. And, 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 but I have to still preach to them as well that this is God's will. It's, you know, only God knows who's, who, who's, who's, who he's fully, who he's going to fully bring into and call. Only he knows that for sure. Nobody, I don't know that. All I know is that I believe in Jesus Christ and all I can do is answer for myself. And so I'm asking you, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Because if you believe in Jesus Christ according to um, Paul's doctrine, then you are a member of this covenant, the covenant of grace. Amen? Now, uh, they were loved on account of the patriarchs with God's gifts and and his call are irrevocable, meaning that God is not going to change his mind. Amen. When you begin to believe in Jesus Christ, when you begin to walk and you begin to to live your life for Christ, according to God's will. Listen, God is not going to change his mind. And that's the same way with Israel. He didn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind. Although they can't. They, many of them right now don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. That doesn't mean that that they're not going to eventually be saved because they will. It's a very likely chance that they will. It's because it's all dependent on who? On God himself. God the Father. Amen? 
So I hope you see that over there in Romans. And listen, this is the full gospel right here, what I love so much. And it says, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. Paul's talking to the, to the Gentiles. So they, that is the Israelites, too, have now become disobedient. In order that they too now may receive mercy as the result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that they may have, so that he, that is God, may have mercy on them all. Amen. So as you can see again, this is God. He's working out the salvation of not only Israel, but also Gentiles as well together. And it all, it's all part of his, his eternal plan. So we have to always keep that in focus. Amen. Now, in point number three, again, I show, I hope I show, I would like to try to show that because this is all happening, because God is saving Israel, he's also saving who? Us, the church, and Gentiles, and therefore, we the church are what? We are waiting, faithfully waiting the return of Christ. Amen? And um, God is showing this throughout Scripture, not only throughout Scripture, um, He is also showing this that um, we as the church body, as Gentiles of the covenant of redemption and the covenant of grace, we have been changed, we have been transformed, beginning with our inward person, that is our heart. We have been changed and transformed into into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? That's how it works. That's what God is doing. Christ is the model. And that's why I talked about the covenant of redemption. The covenant of redemption is the model. It is, is the relationship between God and the Son. And now, also there's the covenant of grace, which is based upon that model in which God and the people, and that is, he be, just like he had faithfully worked with the Son, that is, to a point of where what? Remember when Jesus Christ first came? He came, he lived, and he did what? He faithfully obeyed all God's commandments, right? He walked by the Spirit. He experienced everything that we experience every day. And he did it all the way until when? Until death. All the way to the cross. He was faithful to who? God the Father. Now, all of that, too, was because of the Father working with him. The Father protecting him to a point of where even when he died... What did he do? He lifted them up out of the grave. He did not leave the son where? In, his, in the grave. He, he, he promised that he would do that. He said, son, listen, if you do all what I tell you to do, guess what? To show you that I'm pleased with you, I'm going to do what? In the end, I'm going to raise you up. Listen, we're two. We're just the same way. We, we are hoping in that Christ, his righteousness is our righteousness that God sees his, just like, um, uh, just like um, he did with the son. He was faithful to the son. He's going to what? He's going to be faithful to us as well. Right? Now, every, this is just what Christians believe. And this is what we'll be looking forward to. We're looking forward to what? The return of Christ. Why? Because we know that when Christ returns, we too will be what? Resurrected. Right? Amen? And so we want to be, we, we're, we're part of this story too. It's a, it's a great drama. It's like a big drama. It's like a movie if you can, you can even think of it like a movie. And we're all part of it. Amen? Can you see how this works? 
And so this is all, this is what, this is what life in Christ is really all about. It's trusting in God. It's, it's, it's grabbing hold of the promises of God and living our lives from day to day. Trusting that God is going to what? Bring us through. Through no matter what. He's going to be faithful to us all the way to the end. Amen? And I hope, again, that you, like me, will believe this. Will grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of the truths of God working in the lives of not only Israel, but the whole entire king, uh, uh, people of of God, the whole, all of God's people, He's working in our lives, and He's transforming us, and He's bringing us into the image, and making us into the image, the glorious image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So let us close by remembering this: that that God is covenantally saving Israel, and God is rebuking and disciplining Israel for their sin, even right now. But guess what? God is not going to leave them in their sin. He's going to, he is, just like he was faithful to the Son, that is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he is also faithful faithful to them. And that's why I am confident that God will save Israelites until the end of time. And that is the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? And then point number three, I hope that you saw that God is, again, because he is covenantally saving Israel, the church is awaiting the return of Christ. That is us. So as we wait, let us enjoy one another. Let us love on one another. Let us care for one another. Let us pray for one another. Let us build one another up. In the faith and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> now, let us close in prayer. Our Lord and God, thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for increasing our knowledge and love for you. Our Lord and God, thank you for enlightening us with this marvelous message from your written word. Bless our listeners, we ask and we pray. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please rise for the doxology. Now to him who is able to keep and strengthen you according to the divine revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to the mystery that was kept secret for a very long time, but has now been disclosed. And through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. According to the command of the eternal God. To bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory and honor, both dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Please hug one another. Enjoy the rest of the day. God bless you and I love you.